Dear listeners, this podcast may have subjects and topic matter that some listeners may find disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised, especially for people under the age of 13, and we want to admit there will be sexual trigger warnings for this one. If that's an uncomfortable topic for you, we ask that you please kindly skip this podcast and move on to the next one. As people, we have to all accept one very important truth. That the International Space Station is too small to house all the people we don't like. So, trapped on a planet full of others who can hurt, offend, or even disagree with us, we find ourselves faced with the option of forgiveness. Welcome to Cafe Discourse, where nothing on the menu is sacred. I'm your completely absolved of all wrongdoing host, Christina. And I'm very mad at the Robin Hood app. Um, and my name is Kristen. Are you going to forgive them, Kristen? Uh, no, you... I've already filed a complaint with the FCE. Like, we're having a good day. It's been it's been a very productive morning for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we I, I definitely said anyway. FCE and the, the SEC. Gosh. I haven't oh, filed good. a complaint with FINRA yet because I needed to get on and record with you. But we're getting there. <laughs> I like how you chose me over your angry tirade against corporate America. You know, today, I really, really felt like I should just tirade against uh, America. But then you reminded me that there are, like, individual humans who are important, too. I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, that's what I do. I am the important human you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, our dear listener. Yes. You're Gotta come too. here for them, too. So, for our usual shtick, today I am lame. I'm drinking water, but it's Zephyr Hills water. Which is so. the worst. Oh, my goodness. Zephyr Hills water is so bad. I like it. And I'm sorry. I'm, I like I'm it. Sorry, I like the taste of this Will water. you forgive me for being upset about that? Yeah, I, I think our friendship is worth keeping, you know, even okay. though you've just hated upon this. I don't even think it's actually natural spring water. Watch me get we have, slapped with the We have an equivalent out here in California that tastes exactly the same, and a bunch of people are like, it's fun, and I'm like, it's disgusting. Um, it's called Arrowhead. So Arrowhead bottled water out here is like, it tastes exactly the same to me as Zephyr Hills, and I don't like either of them. They're both super gross to me. I don't know. Maybe I've just drank it so much I've come to love it. It's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just used to drinking it. I like drinking it, and it's it's better than Dasani. See, and I like the flavor of Dasani a lot. I really like the minerals added into Dasani. Dasani uh, is probably my, it used to be my favorite bottled water. Smart Water and Aquafina both taste really good to me, too. Oh, my God. But... Kristen, we're trying to save this friendship. <laughs> When you say All you right. drink Aquafina and Dasani, I don't, I don't know how to feel. <laughs> Did you know that Dasani you can't get in the UK? Really? Yeah, you can't. Like they had a huge media problem in the UK, and they just don't sell Dasani in the UK anymore. Well, they ain't missing out. I'll send you a video about it later. It's like a like a ten minute video. Of like a defunct Dasani plant in in the UK, and it's great. It's it, I was just like, I can go buy some right now. Do you want me to mail you some to the guy making the video? Like, yeah, he wants it anyway. I mean, that's it's great. That's, no, I mean, see, bottled waters from other countries. That's that's fun. <laughs> like, except for Hills, I only see this like here in the South, like Florida. I think it. I don't know if other states even have Zephyr Hills. But like yeah, I when I think about Dasani think so. in Europe, I'm like, of course they do, because isn't it a Coke product? I think Zephyr Hills yeah, is a it's Nestle a Coke water product. If I think Nestle water, like Nestle water's good. I don't like it. I know. I can tell. I like. I can just guess what water you do. And do you, you? You? I mean, you would probably like the tap water here in in the town I live in because it, to me it tastes no different than the Arrowhead or the Zephyr Hills water. I like me tap water. Let me yeah, tell you, I drink I tap water. I Tokyo's got some good tap water. Can I say that? I know it's a city. I liked it there. And New York's got great tap water. 
yeah. like New York State, upstate New York, I should say. I don't know where the water actually comes from or what they do to it, but <laughs> I drink it and it's great. I'd put it in a bottle. I've lived in three cities in this specific county that I live in, and one of them has really good tap water, but the other two don't. And it's so confusing because it's like three miles difference from one to the other. But the way that the water is processed is so odd. Anyway, we, we are here this. to talk about what bottled are you water You've and the way that bit. and the way that the bottled it. water industry <laughs> is bringing down stock portfolios in America. Um, <laughs> I have an almost empty cup of coffee, a very nice um, barrel-aged coffee, actually. Very, very delightful. It's uh, a coffee that was barrel-aged in barley wine uh, rum barrels. So uh, I work at a brewery, and we took a, a, a barley wine that we brewed and aged it in coconut rum barrels for 18 months. And after we took the beer out and bottled it, the coffee company aged their coffee beans in those same barrels. So it's got this really nice rummy barley wine thing going on. And then they roasted the coffee and then I bought like six bags. How come um, you don't send me this stuff so as a gift <sighs> from the mail? Like, what are you doing to me over here? It was too close to Christmas. I couldn't send you anything because we were near Christmas and I might end up in the pile. I didn't want to end up in the pile in the corner. So I have lots of things I want to send to you. I just have to wait until like Valentine's Day to send them to you. Oh my God. Valentine's Day is coming up. I'm so excited. I have no reason to be. (laughs) It's my holiday. I get excited about it. So... Let's uh, see. We talked last week kind of defining our understanding and our perspective on mercy, justice, forgiveness, and revenge. And that's kind of where we left it because in our actual record, we went on really long rambling rants with no actual direction, kind of like the beginning of this podcast so far. (laughs) Um, So let's continue where we left off. We've kind of defined our terms a little bit. And at the end of the last episode, I asked you, what does this idea mean for society at large? And you, of course, uh, showed us, you wrote it down and showed us at your mic um, everything that it means. You've got a very clear answer for us. But I was wondering if you'd like to elaborate on that a little bit more. Because I felt like last week covering all those topics, they were huge. I'm going to try to take this podcast and narrow it down just to maybe forgiveness or mercy as we need to talk about it. And maybe after this, we could tackle justice and revenge. Because I feel like they're so deep and there's a lot we both wanted to say about it. And that's why we rambled forever. And then I ended up having to cut so much of it Mm -hmm. because it just was everywhere. So I'm going to stay focused on forgiveness this round, if that's okay with you. Dear listener, I'm going to assume you're nodding over there quietly watching us. Oh, yeah, look, they agree. So oh, they, they toasted us with their cut. <laughs> so forgiveness, like we were talking about, from my perspective, letting go of all debt, not holding any kind of grudge, not making any payback. I feel like it's important to distinguish that forgiveness can have multiple definitions to multiple people. And I think there are two separate words that get the same title, too, of forgiveness. And we talked about before, like, emotional forgiveness. Like, you've done something emotional, but I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to stay hurt or angry about something someone did. So emotional or personal forgiveness versus maybe a social or judicial kind of forgiveness. In the event you've done some kind of crime, some kind of action, or took some kind of debt, and we want to let go the payment for that, or we're foregoing the justice on that issue. So I feel like it's important to note there are two different kinds of forgiveness and it's easy to confuse them when speaking. So when I say like, oh, I forgive somebody. Well, what exactly do you mean? Do you mean you forgave them as in, oh, we're emotionally friends now? Or no, I just kind of emotionally let that go, but I'm still making them pay for it. Yeah, and I think I think that the difference that stood out to me was, uh, and like I agree with you, we use these terms in both ways, but like defining mercy as as requiring that you have the ability to punish someone and forgiveness doesn't require that you had the ability to punish someone at any point. 
So I think we kind of leaned more in the podcast towards describing one as like judicial mercy and one as emotional forgiveness. Um, But I agree with you that people do use the, you can forgive a debt in a court of law and it's not identified as mercy. Like it is identified as a debt forgiveness or something like that. So yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I just don't want to lose sight of the fact that we have kind of touched on the difference between these two with the requirement that you actually had the ability to punish someone in mercy, like where you don't necessarily have to have that ability with forgiveness, but you can have it. Which, I mean, I I can agree to use those terms for the sake of the podcast, forgiveness here being personal, mercy being, you know, judicial. Though I, I do have to ask, emotionally, do you actually have a choice to forgive someone? Or is the feeling of forgiveness... Something that, no, you can't just decide at the drop of the hat, I want to do. Because I can choose to judicially have mercy, like you said, but emotionally is that out of my control? Meaning mercy is controllable, forgiveness is not. I I really like the question. Um, I feel like forgiveness is something, like emotional forgiveness, is something you kind of have to practice at until you let things go so there's a certain amount of like grudge holding where it's like oh I'm going to continue to hold this against this person that you can release just by understanding the situation better a number of things um I'm trying to think of examples that are not directly related to my personal life right now like just a hypothetical and I'm having a hard time um (laughs) so Well, I mean, I could come up with a scenario if you want. If there's someone that I'm, no, I'm just, like, if there's someone that I'm frustrated with or that I'm angry with who hurt me, I can continue to hold on to that hurt and be angry anytime that I see them and all of this, and and it will eat away at me how angry I am that justice hasn't been served, that I didn't get my revenge, that they don't feel the pain that I feel, that they don't acknowledge it. But I could also choose to let go and live my life. And if I never see them again, that's fine. And if I see them again, I don't have to sit there and be angry that they didn't get their just desserts. I just have to ignore the fact that they're there, if that makes sense. So like forgiveness is, I wouldn't say forgiveness is, I want to say forgiveness is active like it's a choice that you have to make but I don't think I think it's a process I don't think that it's something you can just decide I've forgiven this and we're done like I think that you have to work towards not being angry when you see someone and letting something go I guess Mm. I can agree with you that I think it is a process I completely agree forgiveness is a process you don't just wake up one day let's say someone stole my car that i've paid for dear listener everybody be excited i've paid for my car um if somebody came and stole my car you know that's how i get to work that's how i go visit my mom and my dog and it's mine (laughs) i love my car i don't think i could just wake up today and be like i totally forgive that person for stealing my car even if i did go pursue them get it back whatever i mean I don't think I could just wake up and choose to do that if I wanted to forgive that person. But I just couldn't. There are plenty of people who have very bad things happen to them, like having their car stolen, who do not forgive, even though they probably wish they could. They don't want to think about that every time. But now every time I get in my car, I I double lock doors. I get all nervous. I get anxious. And anytime someone's near my car, I'm immediately reminded of the jerk who stole my car. And I'm remembering all of the hatred I have for that person, even if just for a split second. Do I have a choice in that moment for that feeling? I do think there's a process we need to go through in order to forgive. But I don't think we always know what that process is. And I don't think it's obtainable by everyone. I don't think forgiveness really is a choice, personally. But I can agree with you that it is a process that can happen to lead people to, yes, be able to let things go. Which might be based on temperament, experiences, or faking it. I do think a lot of people say they've forgiven things, but they've just kind of chosen not to talk about it anymore, or think about it. 
but if they're forced to think about it, no, they remember the feelings, and the feelings aren't gone. I guess it's kind of like when I think about someone falling in love, the heart wants what it wants. You don't really choose to fall in love with somebody. Sometimes it just happens. You can't really choose to forgive someone. Sometimes it just happens, and sometimes it just doesn't. See, and I, we're probably going to have to have a whole episode just on, on love now that you've mentioned that because I, I disagree with you. I think that loving someone is absolutely an active choice. I think that infatuation is uncontrollable and that you can fall in love with someone is like being infatuated with them and having an emotional response to them. That is not the same thing as choosing to love someone. And I think I think those are different things. And I think that in the same way, um, saying, hey, I forgive you, or not necessarily directly to the person, but saying, I forgive this person, or I forgive this situation, is step one in a process. And it's like choosing to love someone, choosing to forgive someone, is a process that you have to rehearse forgiveness. And sometimes you have to rehearse loving someone. Like, it's very hard to love people because people are a mess. And... So in my perspective, it's, it is definitely a choice that you're making and some people make that easier than others to love them or to forgive them. And some situations make that harder. Like it's definitely not something that's universal in its experience, even from one situation to another with the same person, Mm. much less something that's universal from one person to another or one culture to another. Yeah, which, again, maybe I should have put an adjective in front of that word love. Romantically love versus platonically love versus this is my friend versus this person's a Nazi. I'm not going to put a bullet in their head, but uh, not going to marry them either. And I can't force myself to feel like I want to serve, protect, and help that person. I do think love is another one of those words that unfortunately it covers so many ideas. So when I say love, I'm not talking about like infatuation, but like, yeah, I care for this person, but a lot more than I would for like a stranger on the street, which is again, I think forgiveness has that, that difficulty too, which is maybe I am struggling with calling mercy, having the power to do something because I don't know if it fits there. If we define forgiveness as something that you actually can make choices to do then is it not a feeling at all and it's just an action which again if love is just an action and it's not a feeling if forgiveness is just an action and not a feeling well then is it possible to even do mercy at all because mercy is looking at someone and saying even though wrong was done and i acknowledge it i'm not going to make you pay that full price for it probably based on feelings i mean i don't know why else you're showing mercy to someone or you completely understand, but you did what you did based on certain circumstances, which would require me to empathize with you, which is a feeling. And I don't know how much I want to say that you can just control your feelings on a whim, and even if there is a process, or what that process would be for each person. So I don't know, but you're right, we'll probably have to have a whole other discussion on love itself. And again, I, I think I'm going to break yeah. it down into multiple definitions, because I feel like love is just too broad a term. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I can't romantically just love anybody on the street. I just, I really can't. I do love everyone. Yeah. I mean, and that generic love, like, yeah, you know, but, you know, to to love you as my students, like the way I love my students, I don't look at every child on the street and love them that way. You actually have to be in my classroom. I have to get to know you. And that situation makes me love you. But I mean, I, I, I'd take a bullet for any kid, I think. I'd like to think. You know, there might be a child out there I wouldn't. Let me not say I would for all, but, you know. I mean, what's that kid doing that I, I couldn't? Ooh, they could be, like, burning a puppy. Like, if a child is, like, tying a puppy to a stake and burning it, like, yeah, and someone came up and was going to shoot that child, I don't know if I would run out there to protect that child. What? Don't give me that face. You would stop and say, you know what? Maybe that kid is getting that bullet, and you know What? What? Can we can we stop with the illustrations that involve actively killing people? I'm so sorry. It's what I do, man. <laughs> Just... But okay. It was a puppy so... in my defense though. 
I was reading an article. I really wish I, I need to like keep better track of stuff because I wasn't expecting this kind of thing to come up in the podcast. So I didn't save it as a reference. But I was reading an article the other day that was talking about uh, the development of empathy in people and how um, there's a certain that it was it was a question posed. Would you save one person or a hundred dogs? And it was very different ages that responded to this question in very different ways. Adults would sacrifice the hundred dogs to save the one person. But most children up to a certain age, and I don't remember what it was, would save the dogs over the person because a hundred dogs had more value than one person. Obviously, I gave my answer on that already. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You you would save one dog over oh, one child. I, 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 I... What? That kid deserved it. <laughs> so within that kind of structure of like, okay, so like the train's coming, you have to direct it either towards the one person or the hundred dogs. Um, most humans have a value, like over a certain age, people learn to empathize with the human ability to experience pain and consciousness and all of that and start devaluing less evolved minds if if not not to devalue fully but to absolutely like say oh no 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 like one human life is superior is more valuable than a hundred dogs lives where children don't see it that way and so um I don't know what this has to do with forgiveness, but you just reminded me of this article about empathy. And I think empathy has... Actually, this is helpful because I wanted to bring this up too. Keep going. Yeah, I think empathy has a big part of forgiveness and the ease with which we can choose to to move on from something. I think that understanding someone else's situation and position and actions and why they did what they did that hurt you makes it... Not always easier because it's very situation and person dependent, but makes it more likely that someone would choose to forgive because if I have empathy for their situation, if I have empathy for their needs in stealing your car because they stole your car because their their grandma was dying and they couldn't get an ambulance there and they needed to get them to the hospital or whatever, like you're going to have a very different perspective because I know you as a person are going to have a very different perspective on the need that they had in stealing the car to be more uh, forgivable, if you will, to be more um, uh, uh, something you can empathize with more than someone who just stole your car because they wanted to go buy liquor or something. Like you're going to have a very different perspective on someone who did something just for selfish gain versus someone who stole your car because they needed to help someone yeah. Which, or something like that. I'm glad you brought up with the trolley and everything too. Cause like I said, the tendency to forgive is actually very much a human trait, which you mentioned like the animals and evolution and whatnot. So I'd like to jump on that since I can, like, I think being human, we tend to have a tendency to forgive, which is why I said there probably is a process and I can agree with you. It's there. Whether that's a choice or not, I'm not completely sure, and I'm not sure what convinces people to go through that process or start that process. But being that we are social animals, it makes a whole lot more sense for us to do things that are communal and together than things that are apart. There's a lot of you know advantages to actually working together, overcoming challenges and differences in order to achieve things we want. I think that applies to forgiveness as well. If we continue to hold a grudge and continue to be angry with people, it does tend to slow down our progress as people. Like, we can look around America right now after all the craziness happened. It would be very hard for me right now to work with somebody who is wearing a swastika to work. We're not going to be able to achieve much. Likewise, they probably don't want to talk to me with my Black Lives Matter t-shirt on. We're not going to be able to get any work done. And in the event we were in a life or death situation, if we don't figure out how to forgive and move on, we're both going to die in that situation. We need to work together to help each other out. And I think in a society, we look at our own species first because working with another human being is more advantageous than working with a hundred dogs. 
we know the human being impacts other human beings in our community who we love, who we can communicate with, who we can function with, versus the dogs whom we, we love our dogs, don't get me wrong, they feel like family. But we, as stranger dogs and a stranger human being, that human being's part of my community. It makes sense that I would value their life over the dog. And like mm. you said, from my car, my car is an inanimate object. That person who was dying and needed to get to the hospital, I'm going to empathize more with them than I am for the idea that I lost a physical object. Like you said, and obviously they didn't just steal it to be mean or yeah. malicious toward me. They did it to save a life. I think empathy is something that very much plays into why we forgive, kind of like the motives behind something. Because as a society, we want to move forward. We are trying to be a group. And forgiveness helps us do that if the individuals we are forgiving are acting in a way that continues to benefit the society. Like it's easier to forgive someone who's being an idiot because they honestly thought they were doing the right thing versus someone who was being an idiot and we knew they were just being an idiot because they thought it would be funny, you know? Which is why some acts are easier to forgive than others. Yeah. Stealing my car? Maybe you were just a young teenager being an idiot and you stole my car to go have some fun one night. But over here you have someone who's molesting their cousin, for instance. I'm not just going to forgive that. No, that's, that's unacceptable. At no point was that okay. Sure, stealing my car wasn't okay either. But yeah, between the two of them, if who do I want to let back into my society? The person who stole a car once as a teenager or the person who molested their cousin once as a teenager? Give me the thief, because, you know, at least that guy was just having fun, and I can smack him in the face and say, get away from my car. The other guy, like, no, mm -mm. you were damaging my society to a point where that child might not be able to function properly anymore because of what you've done. And that's why forgiveness doesn't, doesn't just trigger for you. Even if I want to forgive you to move on, I, I'm just not going to be able to, because at the core of the action of what you did you have now slowed down my group of people or my society, my city, my town, my whatever. And yeah. What if, what if the joyriding teen though, sorry, I'm no, I'm not going to put myself in the position of defending a child molester. Never mind. I was going to say, what if the joyriding teen like killed seven people uh, by running off the road? But anyway, we're going to move on from that <laughs> analogy. I mean, ugh, I don't, oh, I, that would be very tough tough position to put yourself in. Can you defend a child molester? I really can't think of a scenario off the top of my head in which that would be an acceptable practice. I really can't at all. Please, please don't try right now. I, I know that I know that we're like, I know that we're challenging ideas, but like this, this, this topic would require a, a trigger warning and a lot more like mental preparation on my part. Oh, this still requires a trigger warning, so we still have to put that in here. There you but go. yeah, I mean, wow, forgiveness. So I think we, we could ramble on for hours about that. And in its usefulness to society, I think I've covered that a little bit when I said it's, it's good for empathy. Like I said, we, we wouldn't be able to function as a society if at no point we, we showed forgiveness and mercy to people who've done things that are wrong. It also doesn't allow people to make mistakes, which even though mistakes can be painful and hurtful, they often help us grow as a society and become better. As a nation, how do we go about doing that? Again, it's a process I can't, can't guarantee I have. Like, I couldn't tell you what we as a society need to do to forgive people or to force forgiveness. And like I said, sometimes it's not the right thing to do. If somebody really did something that is abhorrent to our society, detrimental to our continued existence as human beings no i don't think that person should be allowed back into the into the group i think there needs to be yeah you need to either go to prison banishment whatever we do i'm kind of against capital punishment personally but i understand why some people employ it under certain circumstances whatever needs to be done yeah i'm not gonna let you back in here the mistake was too big the damage too vast and the process to forgive you cannot start with you still being here, at least. So that's my thoughts. I do want to talk more about what our society thinks forgiveness is, though, as a general whole. Because what we think personally is great. But when we talk to everybody out there, 
forgiveness isn't as nuanced sometimes when we're talking about bigger issues. And I think people get their concepts of forgiveness, why it's so special, why it's so important, because of groups they're a part of, or because of Disney movies they've watched, or because, yeah, they really think that if you have any form of unforgiveness, it automatically means you are bitter. So I want to throw a question at you, Kristen. Ready. As compact as possible, what do you think America defines forgiveness as, and where do you think it got that definition from? Um, hmm. Okay. So America as a whole, that is it. That is, that is a question I wasn't, oh gosh. Okay. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. Where do I think that America gets its idea of forgiveness? I absolutely think that there is a lot of religious structure in American history, specifically Christian, um, that has a lot of influence on the larger cultural understanding of what forgiveness is. Um, I think a lot of people grow up in religious households uh, or or have experience with the concepts of uh, forgiveness as presented in Christianity specifically. Um, and so I do think that there is a large amount of Christian influence in the American idea of forgiveness. Um but what does the American idea of forgiveness look like? I definitely don't think that it looks like a, a full reflection of what the actual like Christian religious structure of forgiveness is. Because I think that there's a big part. Oh, okay. Whew. Yeah, I knew this was I something think, you'd want to define. So that's why I, asked. I do want to define it. I think that it has, I think it's so nuanced. I think it's situation by situation. Of course. I think that the American view of forgiveness is hugely influenced by religion, uh, specific, specifically Christian religion. Um, and so these ideals of uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, forgiving. Uh, and I think that there's lots and lots of, I'm trying to think of like, a pop culture example of forgiveness though like because I know that it's not strictly a religious influence but I do think that that is one of the primary ones but there's also a lot of psychological studies and like therapy influences that say that you shouldn't hold on to these grudges and things like that because it can psychologically affect you in a in a real way holding on to a grudge and and so I know that there's definitely been psychological research and support towards the idea of forgiveness, books written on the topic, things of that nature. Um, so where where is America getting this idea and what does it look like in any given situation? Because it's going to be very different. I know that there's lots and lots and lots of questions about, like, can I personally individually forgive someone and still seek justice against, uh, like, for, for what was done against me? And yes, I, I believe that emotionally letting the control go, like, but you can still seek justice so that this isn't, like, an emotional thing. I think that there's a distinct difference there and that that's a big confusion in society as a whole is, like, no, if I forgive them, I have to let everything go and have mercy and not pursue justice, etc. Which I disagree with. I think that you can forgive someone and still seek justice for whatever was done. So, oh gosh, that was a lot. Um, and I don't think I actually answered your question. No, what do you think? Yeah, I know your it's turn. very nuanced. And I mean, it's, of course, America is also a bigger country than we like to admit sometimes. I mean... I can't say that me as somebody living in Florida could possibly understand the, the complexity of forgiveness in a state like Texas. It, eh, eh. But I do like what you say. There's a lot of religious influence. But I do also agree there's a lot of pop culture influence. Like, it seems to be deeply rooted into who we are as Americans. And I was thinking of a few examples. The first one that obviously pops to my mind, and truly, listener, you thought of this too, was everyone's favorite scene from the movie The Lion King, where Simba looks at Scar after they battle, and he's just like, Ooh. run away okay, yeah. and never return. In that moment, Simba could have killed him. 
which would have been fair. I mean, he killed his dad. He was trying to kill everybody else. He was actively trying to kill Simba in that moment. You know, it was crazy. But we view Simba as a better figure. But even within that forgiveness, it's still justice because he's doing to to Scar what Scar did to him. But it's not over the top. It wasn't like revenge. Like, I'm going to kill you for killing my dad. It's get out of here. The punishment for, I mean, you're crazy. You can't be here. So it is very merciful. But I do think that's what Americans would define as forgiveness, too, is that not holding you completely accountable, not giving you your just desserts. It's because Scar did not actually tell Simba to run away. He said, run so my hyenas can kill you. Scar was trying to kill Simba. Simba was telling Scar, go away. Legitimately, go away. So even if Simba thought it was equal, he was still acting out of forgiveness and mercy by not killing his uncle. Absolutely. But it's like there's, there's a trope in all of almost any family film or buddy buddy movie in which somebody does something wrong and the other characters in the film forgive them for friendship's sake. I thought of, of course, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, their movie, the main character, Twilight, had basically told off all her friends, was very rude to them, and in the end they still came back to help her, completely forgiving what she said, and said, hey, our friendship's worth fighting for, we love you, let's do the right thing. Uh, There's also, like, the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I can't remember which one it is, but with the Green Goblin, help me if you know. You know how the Green Goblin just doesn't forgive what happened to his dad? He gets really bitter or whatever. He becomes horrible. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, if you don't forgive, you'll become like this. Like, there's cautionary tales Mm -hmm. throughout all of our media and literature that tell us not to harbor forgiveness, which is not to harbor angry feelings. I think most Americans... Not to harbor unforgiveness. I think most people would in America would define forgiveness as choosing not to be angry at people. Even though that's not, Mm. I don't know if that's an obtainable goal or not. I do think that's, (laughs) yeah, that's how it is. You're supposed to always give a second chance. Forgiveness is giving a second chance no matter what. I feel like there's very cliche definitions that people can just kind of rattle off quickly and that they try to live their life around, which is why when big things happen and nobody has the nuance to deal with it, they don't know how. And like you said, very religious not everybody in America is Christian. And of course, Christianity itself is divided into so many denominations and practices. You could turn to any two Christians and they'd give you a different definition of forgiveness. But I think a lot of them view forgiveness as a payment was made, but not the one that God wanted kind of a deal. Like, I mean, supposedly Mm -hmm. the whole Christian doctrine is written around the idea that God forgave humanity their sin because Jesus died for it. Well, Jesus died for it, so the sin was paid for, blood was spilt, which for whatever reason, even though the creator of the universe could have made rules around this, blood has to be spilled for sin. I mean, when you think you have to make atonement for being born you can see where that kind of does affect the way you look at other people it's like well forgiveness nobody deserves forgiveness you know everybody can get it because Mm. jesus paid for it so we're not actually forgiving somebody the payment was already paid for it they need to accept this and then live according to certain rules which again is just a fun way of saying we want you back in our society because the tendency to forgive you and bring you back into our society is better than the tendency to just be crazy and angry at you all the time. I don't think I said that very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think that you said it well. I think that it's emphas- like it's focusing specifically on this religious influence, which is not universal, um, even yeah. in America, it's not universal. But there there is a very present cultural touchstone there in America that people can understand even... Um, if they didn't grow up in that religious situation, that a lot of people are very aware of this idea of forgiveness and atonement and things like that as presented in the Christian story. But I would say that, like, the influence is different than the way you presented it, at least in my religious experience, where I'd say that everyone looks at themselves as a bad person in the religious context I grew up in. Everyone is like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not a bad per- Like, I'm a bad person. I don't deserve this. But 
because God loves humanity, all other humans deserve the forgiveness and deserve to be treated better. And so, like, I would, I would say that this tendency towards forgiveness as I was brought up in a religious situation, like, that tendency towards forgiveness is based on the value God placed on other people's lives, making them something that I should respect more. So, like, that idea. As opposed to being like, oh, nobody deserves it. Saying, I don't deserve to be where I'm at, and I don't deserve what I have, and... Uh, also, God valued everybody, so I need to treat everybody like yeah. they're better than what I see myself as. I guess or in that regard, to that extent. I agree. I think Christian America wouldn't define forgiveness in any of the ways we did. I think they'd define it as redemption. And I think they would probably confuse those two words. Yeah. Like the idea that you are flawed from the get-go. Everybody's flawed. Like that's a very, I'm going to say negative position to start from you're flawed. I mean, even an infant is flawed and has to be quote forgiven. Well, it's not forgiveness if a payment's made per se, you could say it's mercy. So it's kind of a redemption. And even then it's not forgiveness because the baby has to actually accept what Jesus did. So it's not forgiveness. You have to do something. Forgiveness that the accused person doesn't do anything. You're just giving it to them. That's the point. So I think it's more of a redemption idea. I'd say religious Christian religious America is looking for redemption. Like someone needs to redeem themselves with some kind of good action. And that makes the person worthy of being forgiven. Whether it's accepting what Jesus did for you or having Jesus do something for you or choosing to live a pious lifestyle, becoming a nun, uh, paying penance or doing whatever you have to do. You've got to do something in order to redeem what you've done, and that is the forgiveness. So I think I, I think I could agree that religious America probably doesn't actually view forgiveness as forgiveness, but more redemption is forgiveness. Yeah, but that does that still doesn't answer the question about what American yeah. culture at large views it as. But I would say that American culture at large is hugely influenced by that, which is part of why. When people talk about, like, forgiving someone who did some damage to them, they think, oh, I have to let them back in my life. And it's like, no, you can forgive them, let go of the emotional weight of that thing, and still hold them accountable as being a bad person. Because the influence of this redemption idea says, oh, no, they they are redeemed by me forgiving them. I have forgiven them, and therefore I should let them back in my life. No, like that's damaging that's that's opening yourself up to abuse and mistreatment and all of these things like there is there's definitely an influence in culture at large as like the way things are presented about forgiveness mm. that are destructive that come from that idea of like redemption forgiving someone does not equal redeeming them and so there's like a very very destructive cultural idea of forgiving someone meaning oh yeah this person can come back into my life and do whatever they want and hurt me again like that's very destructive and that's definitely an idea that comes out in culture at large that is definitely present in some like I really like that you brought up the Lion King because run away and never come back is what Simba was told and Simba still came back and overthrew Scar like Simba knows firsthand that run away and never come back does not mean that he's yeah, safe which from is, this monster. Where it would be forgiving. I'm not killing you. Like because because this is what yeah. was told to him. I killed him. No. Yeah. Like so. I'm sorry. Yeah. Man, I don't want to deal with that guy coming back. I'm gonna put him in like lion <sighs> jail. There's got to be some kind of jail. Nah, keep going. I'm sorry. So no 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 that's I think that's really all because it's it's helping me uh identify what this kind of idea of cultural this cultural idea of forgiveness means in America because I wouldn't say that I've ever really tackled that question to to try to America figure out like okay what does yeah. And I mean that's cuz it's the country we're in like as I may have stated before I lived in Japan for 3 years. So their concept of forgiveness is very different than the ideas I hear about forgiveness when I talk with more Americans, which 
like I said, for them, they have this idea that everybody carries the burden, period. So when somebody does something wrong, it's on all of us. It's not on that person. So it's a lot easier to forgive because you acknowledge that you had fault in what went down too. So if somebody is a murderer, well, what drove them to be a murderer? Mm. What did our society do wrong to them that they felt that was the option they needed to take? Yes, we're going to lock them in jail, but we're also going to look at ourselves too and be like, hey, we have the potential to be this bad too. What is it in us that has built the society where this is happening? And I guess that taints the way I look at forgiveness, which is why I maybe why I'm, I'm struggling so much with your definitions. And like what you said, having a religious impact here, the fact that we have words like salvation, sin, redemption in English, but they don't exist in Japanese says a lot. They don't have a word for sin. It's a uniquely Christian word. If you're not, if you're not a Christian or perhaps Jewish and Muslim as well, I'll put that in there. If you're not within the Abrahamic faiths, you don't really have a word like sin because sin doesn't mean doing bad things. It's very specific to disobeying God, or the Abrahamic God, I should say. That concept of like, you need to be redeemed, or you're just, you're broken, or there's something wrong with you, doesn't actually happen in Japan. They have a word in its crime. You need to do something in order to be a bad person who needs forgiveness. Versus, we're all just bad people. I'm a bad person. I need forgiveness. No, that person did something wrong. So what led to that person doing something wrong? Hmm. I've known people from Nigeria, and they do talk about their cultures and stuff like that. I've never been to any African nation, but I do hear stories about like tribes that when somebody does something wrong, the whole tribe comes out, stands around them, and says to them all the good things that person has ever done. So it's like when you do something wrong, you are not defined by that wrong at all. You are quickly redefined by all the good things you've ever done. And then they let that person back into their society. Which I think is something that is modeled in parenthood in many places where when a child fails to live up to the expectations of the parent, the child can either be punished outright or be told like, you're better than that. I'm disappointed in you because of your ability to do better that I know you have because I see it. Yeah, but like we, we take that on as adults training children, but we don't always handle other adults in that way where it's like, hey, like this is, this is the expectation of you for no other reason than this is who you are. This is who I've seen you be. This is this is the person you've always presented yourself as. This is the person that helps people and, and, and does all of these good things for society and for your auntie and for whoever. Like, but you failed to live up to my expectation that you gave me. <laughs> yeah. Of yourself. And it's, I mean, when I grew up, personally, mine was a spanking. You got hit. You messed up, you were hit, which doesn't do much for your self-esteem whatsoever. But, you know, but I, that's, I that's think a lot a, of... a big part of how American culture handles adults. Yeah. You messed up, you get punished. You messed up, you get punished. And that is a huge way in which American culture handles adults who fail to live up to the expectations of society. Yeah. And... Again, this doesn't apply so much to, like, murdering someone. Like, you need to go to jail. You need to be removed from society because you're obviously very violent. But usually murder isn't the first thing somebody does in their life. There's other things. And, yeah, what, as a society, did we value? And how much of that was based on forgiving? Forgiving at the right time? Forgiving at the wrong time? You know, like, if you let a kid beat animals and mistreat animals eventually they tend to grow up and become more violent adults. They've noticed that a lot of people who are abusers started off with something like abusing animals, abusing brothers and sisters, and doing all that stuff, which doesn't necessarily make it right to shoot the kid burning the puppy. I know. I'm just saying that kid probably has psychopathic tendencies. Um, and they progress into something else. Well, we notice someone doing something wrong. We choose to just be like, oh, that's just Billy being Billy. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we need to address the issues that are going on that are really driving, again, this kid named Billy to be crazy. Maybe it's not beating a child that needs to happen. Maybe it is, yeah, honey, you do all these good things. What is this one thing you're doing? What's that about? Why do you feel the sudden need to do this to animals? And then usually with psychological help and whatnot, you can actually help people build their empathy and be like, okay, I'm beginning to realize other creatures can feel pain? What? Yeah, Billy, yes. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or like people in abusive relationships. Like, why do you think you want to stay in a relationship where you're getting beaten? Because you think you're being loved. You think it's the only love you're going to get. Or you think it's, it's everything, but you don't want to hold the person who's hurting you accountable for their actions. They're lying to you, and you know they are, but you keep forgiving them? Is that real forgiveness, or are you just thinking you're a good person trying to make something work so you're faking your forgiveness which i think a lot of people do all over the world you're faking that you're forgiving people even though you remember it hurts and it's scary you just want so much to stay where you're at does forgiveness always have to be you know at least emotionally i held no anger toward that person i'm gonna be angry so, I mean, I feel like even though we took a whole episode to talk about it, forgiveness is still super nuanced. And dear listener, we know we probably didn't cover anywhere near the the range of topics you would have wanted us to. Uh, so you know what you got to do, right, dear listeners? You got to email us and tell us what you want to hear us uh, ramble on about. Give us your thoughts and your feedback. And you can do that at the cafe discourse at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you there and uh, what topics we should dive into uh, specifically based off of this or just in general. If you'd like to hear us rant about religion in America or forgiveness uh, specifically in a racial context or other, just let us know. If you just want to tell me how cute my nose is, I mean, hey, I'm about that too. (laughs) At the cafe discourse at gmail.com. Well, my coffee is empty. So I believe that it must be time to depart. Bye. See you in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye, people.